Season 1, Episode 1. Welcome to Rotten Avocado, the New Brunswick Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fillmore, and I'm here with Michelle Hardy, my co-host. Hi, Jason. Hi. Season 1, Episode 1 of Rotten Avocado, the New Brunswick Real Estate Podcast. And we're going to get into the story in this episode of why we call it Rotten Avocado. Um, But first, we're going to... This uh, episode is... What to look out for when buying an investment property. Exciting because there's lots to look out for. There's tons. I looked, well, at, I looked at two today for people, and there is a lot of things that get missed. We have a list of eight. We which... have, but we have a list of eight. <laughs> so there's only, more. You only get eight. If you want more, you're going to have to to call in or, or email us at sell it at michellehardy.com.ca. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so number one, let's go with that one, and we'll just jump right into it, because we do have eight things to cover here. <laughs> All right, no, I love it. Jump right into it, let's get to it. Um, so the most important thing when you're looking for a real estate property, of course, is the, the numbers. numbers. <laughs> it's all about the numbers. Does it cash flow? Does it fit your portfolio? Is it exactly what you're looking for to mix with what you're doing? Um, another question is, can it cash flow? And that's something we'll talk about a little bit. Um, but basically, you have to look at your numbers. Every every investor has a different view, has a different way they have uh, their spreadsheets done out. Um, I'm not going to get into numbers today. We're going to touch that on another podcast. But uh, basically, most important thing, a building has to make money. If it oh, doesn't, absolutely. If it doesn't or it can't. Because sometimes a building looks like it's not making money. But could make money. That's true. But at the end of the day, buildings aren't charities. You're not a place to just throw money into. They should make money and be profitable. Yeah. I mean, sometimes uh, if you're looking at a building and um, you find one that has been owned by the same owner for years after years, and he's already paid off his mortgage, those are the ones that are potentials, or a really good example of a potential that could Yes, and I notice sometimes, uh, and I know with my clients and yours, that we'll get the numbers, but we'll see the maintenance cost is low. Oh, my, this is great. There's low maintenance costs. Why is that? Because the owner did all their own work. They don't count in their time. They're not paying themselves. So that does skew the numbers sometimes. Or they take out the garbage. Or they take out the garbage. <laughs> That's true, because garbage is an expense. If they're taking their own garbage, you're not going to see those numbers. Yeah, I it happens a lot. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, obviously, numbers are really important. Um, and like I said, we'll touch base on some more ideas and ways to look at numbers later on. Uh, going on to the next one, zoning. Zoning. So, are you zoned? Um, there's a lot of properties that uh, are, you know, people have done some, I shouldn't say a lot. It's not as frequent as it used to be. But there's a lot of properties that people have done work to. They've added a unit. Um, and is that zoned correctly? That's true. I've run into a few cases where, oh, we got this three-unit building. You know, we got the two-bedroom. we got the one-bedroom. And in the basement, we have a bachelor unit. But it was never zoned. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's an illegal unit. Now, you have an issue. 
Yeah, so then you have to go and uh, apply to have that zoned correctly, which can be, it's, it's not as costly as some think it is, but uh, again, you have to ask for neighbor's approvals and then it's down a road that, you know, if you check, do your due diligence in the beginning, check and watch out for, uh, you can avoid that hassle. Um, one thing I am going to say is St. John does have a zoning map, which we're going to post a link on our page. Um, but uh, that would be your web page, which is um, michelleherdy.ca. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Clever. It's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we're going to post that because I, I use that every listing I look at. So it's uh, really important. Absolutely. Well, if it's in St. John. <laughs> um, what about, uh, I mean, I, there's historical zones too. Yeah, so... You skipped to number four. But Did I? <laughs> That's fine. We'll, we'll go there. Yeah. It's a zone. So, so historic buildings. Um, and we do, as Canada's oldest city, uh, we have a lot of buildings that are historic. Um, now there Just are... Just so everybody knows historic means really, really old. <laughs> really, really old and beautiful. Full of character. Lots of character, of character yes. yes. I'll give it that. Lots of character. Charm. Charm and just really, really old. Yeah, but uh, they have a lot of good things, too. They do, and the historical zoning is important because you want to keep the heritage of the area, um, you know, because it's part of our history. So it it does serve a purpose, but it can be a bit of a pain. It can. It can be more costly, too. So um, one of the most impro- the prominent area that you have to be wary of as an investor, if you're, especially if you're out of town, you're not local and don't know about St. John areas, uh, the Trinity Royal District, that's up, uptown. Um, and that's protected. And if you wanted to make any changes and exterior buildings, uh, you have to ask for permission. So basically with the heritage zoning, it, just to be very basic with it, is that the front of the building has to be maintained with the same materials that were around the time it was built. So your windows have to be wood construction with glass. Your doors have to be, I think, either red or black. They have like certain colors for that period that you can't go in and just paint it, you know, fluorescent green because they didn't have fluorescent green back in the 1700s. Though some of the colors they had, a little different. Oh, they're pretty bright. <laughs> I do remember the jelly bean buildings, <laughs> which don't exist anymore, which is sad. I remember there was a big story in, in the newspaper about how we, we lost these these beautiful buildings, but they were really run down, and it, there wasn't really much you could do with them. But yeah, they were very vibrant colors. Vibrant. That's the word. Well, if you've ever been to St. John's, <laughs> Newfoundland, which is not St. John, New Brunswick. No, we're without an S. <laughs> Uh, they do. You see the very similar type of city built on a hill, on a rock, and the colors of the buildings are just beautiful. So, and uh, just to go on a little bit more about heritage. So you can also have a building that's not in the Trinity Royal and have it deemed as a heritage building. The thing with that is it's a little different. Um, it's a, it's a single designated property um, and the restoration rules don't apply to those now that being said if you don't have the uh, restoration rules that means you're not eligible to get a heritage grant through the city okay that's important yeah so you can get money for the heritage buildings of town to help you to keep and maintain the heritage of our city so it's nice to have so 
Well, okay, since I jumped ahead, let's jump back <laughs> to the next one, which is work orders. Work orders. You know more about this, Jason, than I do. <laughs> I do. Work orders are the bane of my existence. Um, as a property manager, uh, you know, work orders are, are basically the city has gone in. What's a work order? What is a work order? A work order is uh, the city's gone in, they've inspected the property, and it's minimum standards that they go by, and they basically have found violations. They make a list of violations of work orders that the building needs. And they usually give you a time frame to complete them. So things that they usually look for are, you know, um, you know, the windows open and close. Every room needs a window, one window that has to open, stay open on its own without any help and close. Uh, your fire alarm, smoke detectors, um, fire rated walls, things like that. So there's a list of things that are considered That's- minimum standards that they look for. So this work order is registered with the city. Normally, you could call the city and get that information. I think the city currently right now and the date today is March the 16th. Oh, gosh. Let me check. Here I am trying to just pretend I don't know what day it is. Been a long day. Anyway, it's (laughs) mid-March. 16th, yes. Yeah, that that was right. (laughs) And their website is down. And so it does limit to what they can do, but I still think you can get the work orders from them. Yeah. So if you have an agent, uh, lawyers can look it up. Um, the and you still can go through the city, but because we had our hack, um, unfortunately, there's a little bit of a delay in the city being able to reply to inquiries on them. Um, I, I had talked to a lawyer, and there's some ways to work around that. Uh, if you're in a quick sale process, uh, declaration letter from the seller, or even purchasing title insurance and the closing can help. But, I mean, everybody, there's, there's a couple ways we can look it up to see, but there's not fail-proof. So, you know, Service New Brunswick sometimes do show other the notices on file but again that's not 100 percent and that includes your city work orders your minimum standards and your fire inspections yes the fire does do their own inspection which i believe you can get a hold with your your agent can get a hold of that the fire department probably has a record of it as well they're very similar to the city inspections and minimum standards uh but it's definitely it's focused on fire regulations so they're not too worried about if a door um is it latching as, as much as is it fire rated where the city is more concerned with the workings of the door I, I think uneven floors was a comment i had earlier today that doesn't meet city minimal standards maybe if it's super uneven um not really oh. no no they, they the city doesn't really go in because st john where the buildings are old there's been a lot of settling it's very common for the floors to be slanted um, I mean, anytime you run into that, you probably want to check the foundation, make sure everything is safe. But the city's not really concerned unless it's extremely bad. They're more looking for, you know, are your plugs grounded? Are your windows opening and closing? Does your smoke detector have batteries? Is the walls fire rated? Is the door fire rated? There's a lot of lap over with the city and fire inspections. Safety concerns. Yeah, pretty much life safety issues. Right. And 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 fire escapes too. They're pretty important. If there's a fire, yeah, <laughs> want to get out? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, color of other little things to be wary of when purchasing a property. Um, judgments and liens. Again, your lawyer can help uh, inquire about those. But there's things that we can look at at the beginning. 
um, just to see on Service New Brunswick. Usually they are on on the title there. So that wraps up number three. Number three. Okay. And then we already four. did number four. So number five, environmental flags. So again, Service New Brunswick is where we go for that um, as an agent. Uh, and what it is is what we're looking for is petroleum notices on file. Um, that's usually the most common in New Brunswick that I've run across. There's other a few other ones, I believe. But essentially, that uh, could be open or could be closed. Uh, you have to go through with the provincial government to get verification. They uh, sometimes don't show um, the status on the Service New Brunswick. They're just making you aware that it is something to be aware of and uh, concerned about. So... Uh, not always is it a huge cons- uh, red flag or thing going forward because usually they've been ad- addressed. But uh, you want to make lately, sure. Now, lately, I've had a few buyers come in by, and the banks have requested environmental information. And I've never done that too much. I've only ever done it twice. Like, they, they start asking, like, has there ever been a gas station here? Are there any oil tanks? Um, uh, that's a survey is it a survey yeah. yeah i didn't know if it was the same type of thing because he asked a lot of environmental questions and actual environmental um testing actually costs thousands of dollars so there's different levels um but yeah a bank's going to do the flagging and just do their double checking to make sure that you know they're asking the right questions uh just to make sure there's no concerns on that site that they need to go forward and ask for an environmental level one so yeah definitely could cost a lot of money, so something that you want to be aware of for yeah. sure. Uh, land transfer tax. Oh, this is mine. This is all you. <laughs> all you. I see a lot of numbers and percentage signs here, so decimal points, so I'm not touching it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so land transfer tax. So basically, when you purchase a property in New Brunswick, it's a 1% fee on top of the purchase price or the assessed value, whichever is higher. So a lot of people aren't aware of that at closing and they get that little bill and it's like, hey, where did that come from? Because <laughs> when you're talking about um, a $500,000 property, that's quite a significant number not to know about at closing. So, you know, I like to bring that up just because it's something we have here. Um, and then to leap into the taxes and the money, uh, we also have a non-owner occupied tax. So it's basically known as the double tax. It's a tax on rental properties and cottages. Um, it's uh, if you live in the property, you don't have to pay uh, the provincial part. So essentially you're getting a credit. Now, just to clarify on that, if you own a duplex, and you live in half of the duplex and rent the other half, then you only pay the tax on the half that you're renting. Right. And that goes for also if you have, say, a sixplex, and you're renting one unit you're keeping for yourself to live in. It's um, allocated or proportional. Right, so you're already getting the double tax on the units that you don't live in. It's not on, like, oh, the whole building. Yeah, I think it's a little harder on a six-unit but uh, to prove because it's more of an investment, but yeah, you can. Yeah, you typically don't see owners living in it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, your single family or your, sorry, your duplexes. Yes, absolutely. Triplexes. Yeah. Okay. Um, just to go, I, I just going to throw a couple numbers out there because Jason loves it when I do that. I do. Numbers, <laughs> I love it. So no occupied tax rate is 2.186 per $100 assessed value. 
Um, so that is something that you'd be paying if you own the property and you're not living on it. Uh, and that's a, per the assessed value as well, uh, not the purchase price. Um, as well, you will have an additional 0. 0.0194 of $100 of value. Um, and that's called, it's, it's actually a fee to help offset the assessment cost. So the appraisers for the government. I guess they get that money. <laughs> Someone's going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one other little one if because the property owners assessment, uh, uh, property owners uh, get this one because it's a residential tenancies act. It has a fee of 0. 0.0486 per $100 of assessed value. So essentially, these all add up a little bit more. So it's something to be wary of and uh, add into your numbers for, you know, number one, the most important thing to watch out for. Um, yeah, so that being said, I did want to just touch on because it didn't happen, but in 2020, uh, the government had, uh, the provincial government had said that they would event put in place a 50% reduction um, in the provincial non owner occupied tax over a four year period in 2021. But guess what killed that? COVID. Yeah. So I, I haven't heard of that being brought back yet. Um, but when we do, we'll make sure we have a special segment on that. Taxes. Well, I hope they come back and look at that because uh, there's a lot of people complaining about rents in the province. And although I, there's lots of feelings on this, um, helping reduce the tax will help tenants, I think, in the long run. Uh, again, different schools of thoughts on that. But if you're not paying as much tax, then hopefully those savings can go back to tenants. Hopefully. Hopefully. But we, they don't always. Again. Like I said, there's different schools of thoughts. It's not for this episode. If you want to go to the St. John um, Rio. Investment Group, the Rio Facebook page, there is a wonderful uh, Zoom meeting sort of panel that was on there not that long ago. Uh, that talks about the rent increases in New Brunswick, and it was we had both sides. We had advocates for rent freezes and advocates for why that doesn't work, and it was really great. It was good. It was. So going the on. The next to... topic is leases. I know a little bit about leases. Jason, take it away. Because I look at leases every day. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so in New Brunswick, we have three types of leases. We have month to month, which means every thirty days, the tenant's lease renews. Unless they give notice on the first for the end of the month, or the landlords gives the tenants notice on the first for the end of the month to move, you don't need to give a reason. You just at the first of the month you give them either tenant or landlord gives the other one a notice saying I'm leaving at the end of the month. Simple as that. Uh, the next type of lease we have is a fixed term lease. So what that is, and sometimes that gets confused a year to year. What a fixed term is is that you move in on this date. And you have to move out on this date. The tenant does not have to give written notice at the end of the term. It is in the lease that they have to leave unless they've approached the landlord to extend. So typically fixed terms will roll over to a month to month after that. Because without a written lease, you're automatically on a month to month lease. So that automatically happens. Uh, yeah. If the tenant stays and the landlord doesn't say, hey, you were supposed to leave then that's pretty much what happens because the term has ended. They're still occupying the premises. It's a good idea to probably negotiate a new lease with the tenant, uh, either written in a month to month or another term, and it just protects everybody. 
And the third type of lease is year to year. Now, year to year, uh, you start at a start date. And on the anniversary, 12 months later on that date, the lease renews for another year automatically. Unless the tenant gives three months notice before the end of the term. Not three months any time during the term. It has to be three months before the end. Same with the landlord. The landlord would have to give written notice to the tenant three months before the end of the term that the lease will not be renewed. If the tenant does not contact you, you don't contact them, it automatically renews for another year. So if you're going to do a rent increase or change any items in the lease, you need to do it in that time frame at that three-month period before the end of the term for three months and then renew the lease. So those are the three types of leases. Now, when you're purchasing a building... I was just going to ask that. You read my mind. That's why we got married, because I read your mind. so great. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) I do not read your mind. So when you're purchasing a building, um, it's great to have leases, because if you're going to refinance, if you're looking for you know bank uh, loans, things like that, then you need to have these leases. Say, look, I have tenants. This is what they're paying. Or a tenancy. Or a tenancy, yes. Let so it prove it. Uh, in some cases, if there is no written lease, which happens with a lot of local landlords, you can get a tenant confirmation form. Sometimes is uh, is good enough for the bank, which basically says, this is when I moved in. This is the rent I paid. This is what's included in my rent, um, et cetera. And it's just a one-page form, which your property manager or even real estate agent can supply. Which is great for financing, but not great for protecting the landlords. No. So if there is no written lease, everyone's on month to month. Right. Now, if they live there for more than five years and can prove that, there are certain rights the tenant has even on a month to month lease. Um, basically, you have to give three months notice for rent increases or evictions, things like that. And you do have to give a reason if you're evicted, even if it's a month to month because they've been there for more than five years. So I know typically at Canada Homes, when we take a building over, if there's no written leases, we will write up basic leases for everybody. And sometimes even a year to year, if the owner wants, no, we want year to year leases for everyone. We will do up and negotiate year to year for all the tenants that are in the uh, building. Do you find, I find um, a, a lot of out of town investors, they don't, they're, they're, they're weary about the month to month. They are now. Month, I like month to month. Reason being, and in New Brunswick, especially St. John, uh, the tenants are very transient. They tend to move a lot. And for different reasons, a lot of it has to do with the job markets. Um, you know, they lived in a place for a year. The price for heating it was extremely high because their old buildings. Insulation wasn't a thing 200 years ago. So there's a lot of reasons why people will move. So... Month to month, yeah, I could see without it would be scary. It's almost like a trial period. Yeah. For both. And, ten, you know, you don't want that much movement. But with the month to month, like I said, you can evict a tenant with 30 days notice. You don't even need a reason. When you do a year to year, to evict a tenant becomes more difficult. Now, not getting into not paying rent part of it, but for if you want to do a, re- a you know renovation um, or increase the rent or whatever... On a year-to-year lease, it becomes more difficult. You know, you have to get it because they're good for a year. They've signed for a year. They're staying for a year. You just can't go in and change everything on them because if you do, then they can just leave and they're allowed to. Month-to-month gives you a lot more freedom. You can say, hey, we bought the building. You're on a month-to-month lease, so you have to leave. Then you can do your renovations, whatever, do a rent increase. Whatever you want to do, you can do it without any kickback. Good to know. 
it is good to know. No, it is. It, it really is. I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's a. It's good to know because I mean, some tenants when you take over a building and you know we're going through looking at these properties and some of them not taking very well care of that building and the new owner doesn't want that. You know. Yeah, it's hard to get. Uh, you get a new building and inheriting bad tenants, and then you're stuck with them because they're on a year to year lease. But it's a little more difficult. Yeah. And going through the tenancy tribunal. Um, you know, they're there to help, but they're also there to help the tenant. So there can be a lot of, of roadblocks in the way. Yeah. So it's not always about the money. <laughs> it's not always about the money. So next one. This is our big one. Building structure. The building. The building yeah. itself. Like that's the property. You're like buying a whole a whole building uh, right from the ground up has uh, different issues. So number one issue would be your foundation. So if you don't have a good foundation, you got nothing. Just like a marriage. Right. Good foundation. Good communication. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't about me. <laughs> yeah, but no, seriously, in, in St. John, we have different types of foundation. We have your concrete. We have your stone. You could have all three. Yes, we have concrete, stone, we have block, cedar blocks, block. wood foundations, rock foundations, um, cement foundations, and all three intertwined because the building has been added on to or restructured. There's all kinds of reasons that you can go into these basements and just see a potpourri yes, of different kinds of, <laughs> of uh, foundations and supports. Sometimes you start with the stone and then you move into the cedar, the yeah. cinder block. And then you want to get fancy <laughs> with some wood. But uh, no, they're not all that bad. So every once in a while we get one of those though. Yeah. But it is something to look out for, for sure. You, you don't want to, you know, have, your, your foundation is... You know, it's holding up your building. And so it's important. We, we, we laugh at the stone sometimes, but it's been there over 100 years for most of these buildings. So, yep. And most of these buildings are built on stone in St. John. So They, they did build St. John on a rock. So, yeah. So next we look at... Um, the roof. The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. Yeah. If a roof is on fire, don't buy the building. <laughs> yes, don't buy it. Move on. I mean, next. Have, <laughs> there are different kinds of roofs in St. John. We have tar and gravel which is typically a flat roof that's angled in for water to drain in. It's tar and gravel. Um, these ones tend to leak a lot, and they are older. Uh, you can go in and patch it. You patch one section, and it leaks in another section. You Usually. patch that, and it leaks in another section. And you're always chasing leaks with that. So typically, um, not the I, they're good roofs. You know, they've been around for a while. But, but when they start to go. When they start to go, they, they start go. to go. Yeah. Your next one would be... Um, uh, Asphalt shingles. Uh, asphalt shingles, yeah, um, which are, are great. You know, they still work. I don't know. We, they leak. You chase the shingles. It's great. You know, nothing, you don't have too many problems. But most of your uptown buildings are flat roofs. So you either get tar and gravel or membrane. Membrane. And membrane is, is one of the better ones. Again, when they start leaking. Well, sometimes they say that's the insulation. So that's and Sometimes the it's the roof. So, well, yeah, they, they, if they do the insulation with the membrane right, usually it shouldn't leak, but because uh, they seal that puppy up pretty yeah. good. Now, watch super the video. lucky, and you get a metal roof. Wow, how exciting. <laughs> metal. I've never seen a metal roof on an uptown building, but I'm sure it could happen. It can. I mean, we're not just talking uptown, though, right? Yeah. We're talking about St. John. But and typically, St. John, you're going to get asphalt shingles or tar and gravel. Yeah. Those are the ones you see a lot of. 
So those are your typical roofs to be uh, aware of. Uh, what about siding? Now, siding. There are lots of different types of siding. Obviously, you have cedar, shingles. Vinyl. You can have vinyl. Brick. Brick. Oh, everybody loves the brick. We're going to get into brick in a second. <laughs> uh, another one would be asbestos siding. Is something you want to watch out for. Uh, is common in St. John to see that. So uh, obviously, the word asbestos is a bad word these days because it's a horrible thing. So it's something... Um, you know, you want to make sure you know what your siding is for sure. Uh, brick would be another one. Brick, brick is... The oh, most beautiful. Beautiful. It is. Absolutely. It, it gives the building a lot of character. Also gives the building a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, water and our severe weather we have in New Brunswick with the, the cold, the rain, the freezing consistently, pushing that brick, pushing the mortar out. Uh, repointing is very expensive. And we run especially in, in heritage. It, very, especially in heritage. Because it's special brick. It's special... Mortar. Mortar, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you want to make sure if you're buying a brick building that you, you check uh, the condition of the brick because it will bulge out. Uh, it can leak, cause water getting in behind it. There's a lot of that. So and, having... And not all of them are bad. Some of them are gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. They're all gorgeous. But They're gorgeous. I've seen a lot that need a lot of work, it can be very expensive to repair brick. So that's something to keep in mind if you're looking at a, a brick building. And to I would always advise a client, if they're looking at a brick building, um, allocate a certain amount of money because you're going to have some work there over Absolutely. years. If you and keep up the maintenance, the building's going to be solid. And it's in your best interest to get a professional mason to repair it. Do not just get some guy that says he will do it for 10 bucks and just stuff caulking in between the bricks. We've seen that. We have seen it. <laughs> I've seen horrible jobs done on brick. and It doesn't fix anything. It's not pretty. <laughs> Ruins the building. Um, so that being said, uh, electrical, Jason. Electrical. What do now, we have here in St. John? Again, St. John is a old city. We have knob, knob and tube. And tube. <laughs> knob and tube is not the preferred way to have electrical in your building. Insurance doesn't like it. Fire department doesn't like it. And the city doesn't like it. And I wouldn't want to live in a building that had knob and tube. No, it's, it's, there's a huge fire hazard with knob and tube. If it's still active. If it's yep. not, I mean, still needs to go. Should we clean it? And in a lot of cases, it has been inactive or some of it has. So if you run into seeing knob and tube uh, in a building, you want to have an electrician look at that to make sure that it's safe and has been deactivated. Um, um, aluminum. Aluminum wire. Now, that was popular in the 70s. And then it wasn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah it wasn't now that's not always a bad horrible thing they can do things to make the aluminum wiring safer oh absolutely electric an electrician again can, electrician yeah, <laughs> can definitely aluminum wire is safe as long as it's handled properly there's certain stuff you can put on the wires the problem with Pink aluminum tails. wiring and the reason that insurance companies don't like it is that you don't need an electrician to change an outlet or a light switch. So a lot of these owners will just change them. But you're going from aluminum wire to copper wire. And when you start manipulating aluminum, it gets very weak. And the connection gets loose. And those can break. And that's why they don't like to have aluminum wiring. Because you don't know who's done the sockets and things like that. So it's good to have an electrician sign off on it. Say, yeah, it has aluminum wiring. But it's you know we checked it out. It's all good. Always get that electrician's letter. Absolutely. Even if you don't need to. 
get it. <laughs> uh, helps for resale too. Um, next one. Oh, plumbing. Oh yes, plumbing. There's all kinds of plumbing in safe. You can get all th- different types <laughs> of plumbing in one just stretch of pl- you know of a pipe in a building in St. John. So you can go from cast iron to copper to PEX uh, to plastic. Like it's you can get it all. Uh, cast iron is uh, very durable, but if you see it, it's probably a hundred hundred fifty years old, and when it goes, it goes. Very difficult to replace. Just crumbles. Yeah, because it's one piece of cat. It's been casted as one piece. So when you get a break, you typically uh, a plumber can join it to another type of material. It's a little bit more costly, or they have to replace the entire cast piece, even if there's a small leak. I saw. I've seen horror stories. I've lived horror stories. <laughs> I've seen it with the duct tape. I, I've I been just... to a building. The cast iron sewage line broke. I remember looking up with the maintenance guy going, yeah, it's leaking. And as he opened his mouth, this drip <gasps> fell oh. right into his mouth. Oh, yuck. <laughs> Delicious. Nasty. Not yes. a good sign. So, yeah, it'll cast iron. When it goes, it goes. Um, yeah. the, the thing you want to look out for. Kitech too. Kitech. I remember. I believe that. there's, uh, that's bad. <laughs> it's bad. So the uh, fittings go in that, Jason. Yes. And they can go all of a sudden, and then you just don't know it, and your house is full of water. So, and that was in that was in the courts too. So, yes, yes it was. I believe there was like some sort of payout. I don't know how that works. If you have Kai, we, we didn't have Kai Tech. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now another thing, and unique, not unique to Saint John, but that happens a lot in the winter time. Is we get sub zero temperatures, hundred year old building, no insulation, pipe breaks, water everywhere. So when you're looking at these buildings and you're looking at the plumbing, look at the heating, look at the insulation, because these old buildings, I mean, horse every, hair. every year. Newspaper. Oh, yeah. Horse, cardboard. I've seen insulation. I've seen horse hair, cardboard. Whatever was on the floor at the time they built it, they swept into the walls. Not, not a good insulation. Yeah. It doesn't um, really work. But when they were built, there probably wasn't plumbing either. You know, it was like an, a- an afterthought when plumbing became more popular. So... It's a thing to look look for insulating heating systems because they do break and they can cause a lot of damage. You get a pipe on the top floor that freezes and breaks. You just flooded three floors of your building. It can be very expensive. So be mindful when you're looking or having your agent look or your property manager look to say, okay, you know what? We've seen a lot of plumbing. It doesn't look like it's very insulated or it is insulated and there's a heat source or isn't a heat source because that can be a very costly expense in the wintertime. Next one I'm going to go on to is windows and doors because you already segued into heating. I did. And keeping that heat. So <laughs> windows windows and doors. Like windows is important. You know, you have to have them yep. opening, um, especially in rooms that you are living in. Uh, and doors, they have to be self-closing? The door, the doors do have to, if the apartment door. So the door to the apartment has to be self-closing and latch completely without any help. So when the city inspector's there, the fire department's there, they're going to open that door, they're going to let it go, and it needs to close and latch. If it doesn't, then that's something that they will have a work order with. One more thing I'm going to go into about uh, the doors. Uh, I know we had, I had a client one time, and they were looking at doors, and we thought, because apparently you have to have a certain thickness for a fire code. Uh, And we did. We had the thickness. We even measured it. 
But the glass in the door kicked it out. <laughs> I, I have a horror, not a horrible story on that, but a, a sad story. So this beautiful historical building in St. John. You go in, these beautiful, gorgeous doors with these stained glass, just great-looking door, very, like, historic. And the fire department came in. The thickness was right, but the glass wasn't. And we had to remove these beautiful doors oh. and put in these plain, ugly doors. And they are. They're plain, ugly. Yeah. <laughs> I, it it I was have a shame. It really I, was. I have a beef with that one. And but. the funny thing is the old owner, who didn't even own the building... Hurt, got wind of this and got mad and called the fire department. Don't blame him. Because he loved those doors too. He loved the building. And it, it was a shame. It really was. I know the building. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely it gorgeous. Still is. Yeah. But the doors aren't as gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> now, another thing is too with fire rated doors, they, they do have to be either solid core um, or metal to be fire rated. I have walked into buildings where you have basically a closet door as the apartment door that does not fly. Those things will catch fire. They're, well, you can kick them in. Right. You can punch them with your fist. Essentially, they yeah. have to be thick enough to stop They're fire. not secure. They're not safe. And they're very... So we need to just go on to the next one because we're kind of getting a little long here, Jason. One wow. more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Heating systems. Yes, we have lots of heating systems in St. John. Like a potpourri of them. So we have, we have oil, furnace oil. Uh, which heats the hot water. Natural gas. Natural gas. Another uh, furnace that heats hot water to run through the system. Um, propane. propane. <laughs> and propane Propane became very popular the last few years because natural gas in New Brunswick was so expensive. That was the delivery, though. Yeah. It wasn't the it wasn't the commodity. It was the delivery of the, of the natural gas, which is funny because it's piped right to your house. It was cheaper to have hey, propane yeah, yeah. actually physically delivered. But natural gas was because it was piped. It was considered we, a delivery yeah. fee. Anyway. Nobody knows. Long story Nobody short. Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, although I think that's changing. I see a lot of people switching back to natural gas because we have a new natural gas company and we're and just gone. And some good incentives. Yep. So I've been told. Uh, we could have forced air. Heat pumps. Heat pumps. Electric furnaces. Yes. And of course, the one everybody wants, uh, radiators. Not radiators. <laughs> What am I talking about? Is this a car? Are we talking about cars now? Wood stoves? No. no. For rental properties, you cannot have wood stoves. So I'm talking about heat registers around the house. Oh, electric baseboard. Yes, electric baseboard. Thank you. My brain froze. (laughs) That's the one everybody wants because everyone can pay their own heat. As long (laughs) as it's on its own panel. Yeah. On its own meter. With your furnaces, that typically is a central heating system. And you basically have to pay for everybody's heat. There's no way to separate it. There's no way to, you know, get into like, oh, you're paying this much and you're paying this much. It's included in the rent. Now, you can get heat pumps. I, I find a lot of owners that have a furnace source heat that's through a fuel or a gas. Um, heat pumps in the units will help tenants save money and help the owner reduce costs on their uh, fuel. Good to note that they're only secondary source, though. Yes, you still, you still need have the to have. Yeah, you cannot have a building say, "Oh, we disconnect the furnace and just got the heat pumps." <laughs> well, yeah, heat pumps won't work at a certain temperature, and you're going to freeze your building out. The new ones apparently will, but you still need that secondary source just in case. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just to go on a little bit more about the electric baseboard because that's a point that we should make, Jason, about the separate meters on the outside. Yes. Now, you go to a building, and let's say all the apartments, it's four units. Four meters, and you're like, great, everyone can pay their own heat and lights. <laughs> what now, about the hallway? <laughs> who's paying for the common areas? 
who's paying for the furnace room or the basement? Laundry room. Laundry room, all the other rooms. So you want to have that fifth meter for the common areas. Now, in St. John, a lot of these uh, multi-unit buildings, like five units, six units, are old homes that were converted into apartments. And sometimes your wiring gets a little screwy. So you may have five meters for a four-unit building, but unit one may be paying for unit two's hot water. Unit two could be paying for unit three's living room heat. Like, there could be some cross-wiring going on, so that's something you should probably look at because it will, cause, and... it will cause problems when a tenant gets their power bill. And, like, why is my power bill $400 uh, for a one-bedroom apartment? Oh, I didn't know I was paying for the hot water for apartment three. Now you have to include everything or have an electrician come in and rewire the whole situation. I always get a check, but that's not always a concern, though. No, Just something to be wary but of. But it does happen from time to time, and you should be wary of it. Because it can cause problems when you're doing your numbers. That was our first one. Numbers. And you're like, oh, tenants pay everything. Well, <laughs> when you get a situation like that, and they contest it, and now you have to make adjustments, it gets very difficult. Um, so I think, Jay, we went through our list. Yes, we did. So we got through it. Episode one. We're done. Yep, we're done. So now we're going to explain the name of the podcast. So the name of the podcast is Rotten Avocado. And you want to tell the story or no, shall I? No, I don't want to tell the story. So the story of Rotten Avocado, it's... Um, I didn't pick the name. I like it, but She I liked it, it, but she didn't pick it. So from time to time, Michelle likes to buy avocados. What was COVID. And we, and we weren't, I wasn't working and I wanted to be healthier for our family. Yeah. So she bought avocados with the intention <laughs> of making avocado on toast or making some sort of food with the avocado. And what actually happened every time every was the time. avocado would sit on the window ledge and rot. And every time it rotted. But. Every time. We noticed that every time we had a rotting avocado, she got busier in real estate. And I mean busy and, and and it's because i was so busy i couldn't do anything with the avocado it could be it, it would be essentially but if we didn't buy an avocado she'd go on and say oh, it's so slow and i'm this is terrible <laughs> and i need to blah 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 she'd buy an avocado i'm gonna make guacamole and then all of a sudden it got busy and the avocado would rot so i thought hey what a great name for a podcast the rotting rotting avocado so i think it's a pretty good name I like it. Just Rotting Avocado, New Brunswick Real Estate Podcast. It's quirky. Yeah, it's quirky. And the Rotting Avocado has benefited us because you get busy in real estate every time we let that thing rot. <laughs> There's, there is a Rotting Avocado in our windowsill now. There's always. Sometimes we have two. If we want to buy like a new car, we'll put two up there and get that going. But anyway, that's the end of our first podcast, Season 1, Episode 1. Thank if you, you made it through the whole podcast, thank you so, so much, much for listening. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us by email at sellit at michellehardy.ca or you can give her a call at 506-721-1099. Thanks for listening. Thank you.